So I'm going to start with a real basic one. First off, um, the people we are selling to in yeah. this field, um, what are their biggest concerns and pain points day to day, according to your experience? Yeah, so so let's talk about an operational facility and uh, oil and gas because that's you know really where my strength lies as well. So there's a couple of a couple of key areas. I mean, the first one is you know reducing cost, producing more energy, reducing the cost, but doing that in a really sustainable way, which means you know low emissions and you know but this push for net zero as well. Uh, the oil and gas has always been really volatile, but I think 2022 we're all aware of what's happening in the world at the moment as well. So that's a real pressure, you know, keep producing, keep it clean. Yep. Uh, and in order to do that, the, probably the second point is, you know, understanding the performance of these facilities. Uh, you need to understand a huge amount of data that's coming through this as well, how to balance that, you know, and it's more important that we, these facilities have to produce. Yep. So they have to do it safely. We need uptime. We need them to be reliable. So how do you constantly, you know, adjust the operating profile of that facility, particularly when it ages, you know, for example, as well. So probably the third thing that they're really struggling with is how do we use the data we've got to drive these decisions? Yep. How do we do the right thing for a facility that's just started? Yep. For a facility that's midlife or these nasty brownfield facilities that we talk a lot about as well. So how do we keep them running? Yeah. And how do we keep them producing as well? So that's the real struggle that these guys have at the moment as well. And it's, it's, it's quite a thing, you know, to, when you put it in that context, keep producing, lower your costs and do it in the best possible way. Yeah. Of course, revenue is still high uh, in parts of the energy industry. Um, but when we talk about OPEX, what actual expenses are we talking about? Just to put it like yeah. a stupid question. What are the areas of operations that cost these companies the most money? Yeah. So you're going to have some fixed costs associated with the size of the facilities, such as electricity, power, you know, these sort of things, taxes as well. But the big variable ones are, so let's talk about resource. So if you're going to keep your, your facility operating, you're going to have to do maintenance. You're going to have to do inspection. You're going to have to do repairs on that facility. So there's a big, you know, personnel of, on board, POB, as we call it as well. So you have to have these people offshore uh, at the moment as well. How do you get them there? So there's logistical costs. You have helicopters. Yeah, you have boats. Yeah, transportation associated with that. You have to feed them. They need ablution facilities. Yeah, and all these things start to add up to these costs. And who's supporting them onshore? So logistics department, engineering department, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So so big big costs. You go and do a subsea inspection, for example. You need to charter uh, an ROV SV. So that's an ROV support vessel. The crew that comes with that, that could be out there for two, three, four weeks where you're doing the campaign, rising costs all the time. And the biggest concern about this is, uh, are we doing things we don't have to do? Yep. Yep. So that's where the biggest cost removal, uh, in, in my view, would come. Why do you think that this, um, this is still a challenge for these companies? What have been the obstacles to cutting these costs that we're talking about? Yeah. So it's a really good question. Uh I think the fundamental answer or the, or the biggest challenge is uh, being brave enough not to do something. And let me explain that as well. So it, when these facilities were designed, it was really rule-based. Um, by rule-based, I mean calendar-based. So you would have engineers deciding on maintenance and inspection engineering routines to maintain this equipment. Yep. And that makes its way into various source systems. We call them CMMS, Computer Maintenance Management System, for example, SAP. And that's kind of driving the call to plan. So for preventative or planned maintenance as well, these facilities start to age. 
Yep, so you have planned maintenance, but things go wrong. So you have corrective maintenance as well. So that's kind of a basic understanding of how maintenance is happening. So if it was you, Mads, you were a maintenance engineer and you were responsible for a safety or an environmental piece of kit, uh, would you change the routine? You know, if, for example, maybe you had all the information, you trusted the data, you had all the drawings and you had that information and that one routine you said, no, that's not correct. If we don't do that, we can save X, Y, Z. But if you didn't and you didn't understand the cause and effect and the risk profile, you're probably not going to change that routine. So this backlog starts to increase and it starts to increase more. And that's just one routine. So 10, 15, 20, 25 years of production in an aging facility, these all back up yeah, into something as well. Maybe it's changed hands, maybe you've changed the engineering contractor, et cetera. So that's the real difficulty that even the expert has, you know, making that call uh, on risk and cumulative risk on decisions they're making. I hope yeah. that made sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, one thing we talked about previously in my, in my career here days was the thing about uh, we're safe and we know we are. Uh, this, this, this sort of trust in data, trust in information, um, how do you think that still plays a part uh, in people trusting to move on to like the digitalization phase of, uh, of this industry? I think it's a really good question. I, I think what's changing now, and there's still this energy for transformation and modernization, but I think the industry as a whole, there, there was a real drive to introduce digitalization and, you know, a huge amount of use case driven solutions and proof of concept, POCs. I think the industry's now kind of realize that they have to think of products as well, if that makes sense as well. So it's not just single point solutions, but how can we leverage our existing investments? How can we work at pace? So we're not introducing a solution for a specific use case for a specialist, but more the way we think in ACE as well. So there's a base product, we're trying to hit everybody. We're trying to get that confidence of everybody to start using the data. And if you think of the beauty of what we do in ACE, where we create a workspace, for want of a better word, for either the generalist or the specialist, that cumulative knowledge and competency of running these facilities with very difficult circumstances now makes its way into a workspace. Yep. So that knowledge it improves and it gets better and better. You do that at pace, you do it at confidence. And if you realize that the value is incremental with the pace that you do it as well, you're into a really good starting point. So that's the change and the fundamental shift that I've seen in the last couple of years, particularly in oil and gas. Yep. Yeah, so the momentum has obviously picked up for uh, the digitalization. Um, what questions do you get asked when out meeting customers uh, that you have to have an answer to? Yeah, so the first one is uh, we we spent X amount of dollars on these systems and we want to leverage that as well. What can ACE do with those systems as well? Second one is uh, we're not too sure about our data. Yeah, do we have to go through a huge amount of years of cleansing up data, getting new 3D models and scans, etc.? And, you know, the, the other one as well, how can you help us? Or the, and that's the question. We really say, how can we help you get better as well? But when they see what we do with ASM, we create it at pace and give them the confidence and really push, uh, you know, the, the, the impetus and that desire to change into their science, that's the kind of questions that we get as well. And, and it's really getting traction out there. But it's back to that not offer a point solution, think about a product, think about the future and how can we collectively improve? Yeah, whether that's a greenfield asset just going into production or a brownfield asset 25, 30 years in production as well. Yeah, and the collaborative uh, nature of our product is obviously a big part of that. Yeah. Um, so to put it bluntly again, um, how can the ACE workspace um, help reduce OPEX for um, 
for these people? Yeah. So in kind of really simple terms, if we go back to those big costs, which is resources, logistics associated with it, even, uh, you know, improving the general day-to-day of it as well. So let's talk about uh, probably the two value that we can we can actually influence through ACE as well. The first one is not doing things. So there's a cost saving in that. The second one is improving the day-to-day, so efficiency. So what we're seeing with ACE straight away is uh, we have a lot of visualization, collaboration, and navigation in that basic tool. And that's where we're trying to hit most users in there as well. Why are we going offshore? Yeah, so we can see from here that we don't need a survey. We can see a lifting point. We can see that we can place equipment here. We can actually do it on the model. So even from that basic surface, we're saving a huge amount yeah, of logistics and time and people going out there as well. We're moving planning onshore. Planning, uh, particularly the two-week planning or the short-term planning is probably a better term, was offshore because it was dynamic. Things were happening. Don't need it now. We can all collaborate within the workspace. We have the planners with the information they need. Yeah, the maintenance superintendents working with the planners within a single environment or workspace that we create as well. So we're saving money in there as well. And more importantly, we're seeing gaps in information and data and how we improve. We have tools in there that say, rate my data, for example, is one. That data is not right. It's on a critical system. That has to be a priority to resolve as well. So we're not running about, uh, you know, looking for data. There's plenty of data. We're actually focused in a really structured way of improving that data quality. And that realization by the customers that ACE is a data-driven product. So the better the data, the collective competency within that workspace that we develop, the better and better each day it gets. Yeah, I guess one of the things that has surprised me the most about uh, what we're doing um, and what pain points we're actually uh, addressing is how simple the sort of uh, problem statement ends up being. Like having data in one place, uh, having access to the data in in one area, which seems simple, but probably isn't, right? No, and I think it's it's just the... I think it's the nature of oil and gas uh, over that period of year, you know, half a century uh, of the way that we used to be really proud of creating documents, uh, the way we used to, you know, transfer information, very static as well. It then means that as these systems or backbone systems like SAP or your documentum have grown up, that it can be very fragmented uh, as well. So it's been a growing problem, uh, but one that we can address because we keep forgetting that when we bring people into the equation, even without all the digitalization, people were operating these facilities, they have a competency to do it as well. So can we harness that? Can we actually use that? Yeah, and then we can we can move forward and we're doing it uh, at pace. It's not really ACE that's moving at pace, it's the confidence that's with the customer and they're moving at pace now as well. So we're seeing a lot of fast movers now, product thinking and getting uh, people into that environment. And, and they stand behind it. They're really proud of what they're achieving, Mads. Yeah? Yeah. How has that uh, come to uh, fruition, do you think? I, I think it's. Uh, I think if you can improve some of these day to day, if you can understand the pain points, and uh, I think we do that really well. We focus on the user, yeah. We focus on their day to day experience. I think that differentiates us, obviously, with the background of Acker as well. And that understanding, having them involved in the process, yeah, of actually how to resolve this, and actually being honest about our product as well, you know, and taking the customers on that journey, and that we're willing to learn, uh, improve. There's an ownership on both sides. Back to that word, incremental value as well. When you understand that and how to capture it and report it, you know, that starts to get ownership with the customer uh, as well. So 
we're feeling that the customers are in a good place as well. And in turn, their management and leadership, yeah, uh, and ultimately the shareholders when they start to see this coming through. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, you know, we and our customers, we're uh, evolving together uh, through this uh, phase. Um, one last question. Um, where do you think in the future, if you if you see an ideal world, uh, how how is ACE and our customers working together in, a, in an essential way? Yeah, from a from a kind of uh, selfish point of view, I, w- I would love our customers, uh, and some of them do it uh, already. I don't know if they've just been nice to us, but the first thing you do when you, you load up in the morning is ACE is there. And the workspace that we've actually developed for you, whether you're a generalist or discipline specific, is open Yeah, as well. It's integrated with your backbone systems. It's integrated with moves and changes you want to make in technology. So maybe we're connecting to robotics, maybe we're connecting to drones, etc. But my ideal world, it's the first thing that you open up as well. And also ACE enabling an infrastructure around that. So we're going to need specialist tools. Yeah, we're going to need uh, tools for experts as well. And they're kind of, if you think of our product almost as a pyramid, you know, moving up. So we've captured everybody. Then we're moving more into domains and then there'll be half a dozen, you know, real clever guys that I'll never talk to that need the tools and expertise in there. So system is open. Yeah, a system that can be changed at pace uh, as well. But more importantly, a system where the customers absolutely feel ownership of their data, control, and they can ease and improve and have this agility that they've never had before. Well, uh, I think that sums it up pretty nicely, Jason. Um, thank you for doing this. I know we could talk for a long while about all these topics, but probably we'll get back to it. Certainly. Uh, no, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> thank you. Um, we'll be back soon with another episode of Ace Talk. <laughs>